1: Lawrence, hi, it's Will McPherson here from the Evening Standard.
0: Hello, Will, what's up?
1: Well, I'm writing a feature about great rugby teams, and as you played in more than a couple, I'm thinking the Premiership-winning WASP team of 96, and of course, England in 2003, to name just two, I thought I'd ask you what it takes to produce a truly great team.
0: Well, my friend, it takes skill. Right. And it takes dedication. You've got to be focused and committed right to the end game. Yep, putting in the hours. Precisely, and it takes time. As it happens, Will, these are the same things it takes to brew an outstanding amber ale like London Pride, sponsor of this very podcast, and more importantly, one of my favourite beers. I guess it also takes support, especially from the fans. The way they get behind their teams drives those extra yards. I couldn't agree more. And Fuller's London Pride are showing their support as the official beer partner for Premiership Rugby.
1: Awesome. You've been a great help, mate. Thank you. And you've also made me strangely thirsty. Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership
0: Rugby. Support with pride and remember to drink responsibly. Hello, I'm Lawrence Delaglio. Welcome to my rugby podcast. It's been another exciting and dramatic weekend of rugby, so there's plenty to talk about. But before we do, let me introduce my stellar guest list. From the Evening Standard, we have the sports journalist Simon Collins. Simon, welcome. Joining us all the way from Toulouse in the south of France, I'm delighted to welcome my friend and former international Thomas Castagnier. And finally, Tom Council, who is a lifelong supporter of Bath rugby and host the Bath Rugby Plug podcast, which we'll be finding out a little bit more later in the show. Thomas, if I can start with you, the Six Nations is back. I remember my one of my first games for England against uh, France in the uh, Stade de France or it may have been No, Parc de Princes. You scored the winning drop goal, you had a, a beautiful blonde hair at the time What are your earliest memories of, of playing for France and playing in the Five Nations?
2: It's always good memories because you come from watching the games you know in your sofa when you're a kid you know and dreaming about maybe one day playing for your country and uh, the, the dream became reality and, uh, and to be honest I will always remember when I was in the corridor you know going on, on the field and I saw so all the faces of your friends, you know, were playing for England at this time around three. Reagan, Johnson, and they were very, very ugly, you know. And I thought to myself, oh my God, if I go in a rug, this guy, you know, they, were, they are going to kill me. So I was only thinking about running around the rugs and not tackling so much. And I never understood you as a running man, you know, how you could play with this kind of guys, you know, so because you, you were flying on the pitch. <laughs>
0: well, I i think, um, as you know, rugby is about celebrating difference, you know, it brings us all together. Tell me, um, uh, when you woke up this morning, there must, there must be a very good feeling in France about the team, about the match about the
2: possibilities the future what are the people saying I think the French crowd is really proud because I think we had many years where we struggled a lot and um, we had some disappointment we it was hard to find a team and to find some um, consistency in the performance and uh, everyone believed that this team is really one of the best team uh, in France we had you know in the probably ever you know we I think we are very powerful we got some strength in the forwards you know which was the quality of the French team before and behind that we got some players like um, Dupont and Tamak who are very creative and in the back line we don't have the you know this magic was you know before in in the French back line but we had some uh, like uh, hard workers you know can really tackle hard you know put pressure on defense and And I think every team who's playing against the French team now is really scared about the physicality that we can put into the game because we played against a very good Irish team.
0: Yeah, Simon, um,
2: for me, you
0: know across the championship I don't mean you know any disrespect to the other teams but this match was a different level to maybe uh, what we've seen in the, in the tournament so far the two best teams and as Thomas said Ireland contributed to a you know fantastic match you know when you concede in the in the first few minutes of the game you know Dupont coming up with the uh, you know the opening try what was your impressions of, of the game and, and the way that both sides played
1: yeah I, I completely agree I think this was in terms of the rugby we've seen so far in the championship the highest quality and, and the main thing for me was the physicality and you know the power and pace that these teams were playing at and right from the start we saw it with DuPont and France but I think a lot of credit's got to go to Ireland because start of that second half you were wondering they could fade here we know what the French crowd is like when it gets up and the team's going forward but they really did fight back but France for me just looking like the favourites and as we're building up to a World Cup the momentum really seems behind that team.
0: Thomas um, France probably should have won the title last year Somehow they managed to lose the last game against Wales. They probably should have won the, the title the year before. So there's obviously a lot of pressure coming into, into this year's championship, but they seem to have, have handled that you know incredibly well. They seem full of uh, confidence, some of the best players in the world in, in the back line. And, you know, as you say, they found some forwards. But would you expect them now to to go on and, uh, and win this uh,
2: Grand Slam and, and claim the title? Yeah, but that whole comes, I think, from uh, French rugby. French rugby clubs, you know, was improving massively too. And um, uh, playing in the French Championship is always hard. And, um, and you can see that in the European Cup, like the French team are very strong, very powerful. So every game is like nearly an international game. So I think the players, they're really improving the game we had against new zealand in november was really key because we realized that we can compete against the best i think we got a generation of new young players who are really fascinating and, and i think the coaching staff has made a, a fantastic work, work too i think fabien who was struggling a bit as a coach when you when he was a coach for a club you know but i think he's more a coach for an international team because he's not someone who can chase feelings and all that but is 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 someone who knows about rugby, someone who can build you know a project. And I think having the players only like two weeks during or, or five weeks you know during a the season, then another five weeks, you know, it, it's really helped. And I think the confidence is there. And, and and we got some some guys, especially in the forwards, I say, who are really tremendous and very powerful. And we miss one of our main threats, I think, which is Bakatawa, who can play in the center, he's still injured, but when he will come back. I think it will bring something more into the French team too. So I think the potential is there. Yeah, know, you're you're absolutely right. I still have this uh, picture in my
0: head, Tom, of. Uh Sean Edwards, coaching the the, the French team, is a very special individual. Um, and obviously, uh, Raphael Ibenez is there with the, the team manager and they seem to have put together a really strong coaching group and the, and the chemistry between them and the players is working very well. What, what were your impressions of the game from a French and an Irish perspective?
3: I think for France, it's, it's incredibly impressive what they're building. I mean, we shouldn't understate kind of the scale of the the squad overhaul that they undertook a couple of years ago. As you say, Sean Edwards deserves a huge amount of credit because I think if you look over recent Six Nations and recent World Cups for France, their attacking ability has never really been in doubt. The ability to to score tries has always been there. But I think what really impressed me against Ireland was just how ferocious the defence was throughout the full 80 minutes. I mean, you know, obviously, plaudits go to Dupont, Entomac, Villiers, etc. in the back line. But I think guys like Paul Willemsay and even Uni Antonio in the front row, I think they were ferocious. And I think that's something that Gautier and Sean Edwards have really added to France. Just from an Irish perspective, they nearly managed to get back into the game at the end there. They were quite close. And though I don't think Joey Carberry had a bad game by any means, I think Ireland really do miss Johnny Sexton when he's not fit in firing. I mean, his ability to manage the game through his kicking and also to take the ball to the line as an attacking threat, I think, is huge for them. So if I was an Irish fan, I'd be fairly worried about his longevity, given obviously his, his age and how, how injury prone he's become.
0: No, I mean, listen, I think Ireland still have a, a lot of positives to take from the match. I think they played fantastically well. Thomas I'm I'm interested to to understand who was behind bringing Sean Edwards into the French setup.
2: I think you know about that. I think it's it's, it's Raphael and who I think knew from Wasps when you were there, you know that the quality of the guy <laughs> playing with Saracens against Wasps wasn't easy especially when he was the defensive coach and he was the main coach, you know, during during so many years. This guy, I think when I saw the the film about his life about uh, how he was, you know, I understood why he never said hello to me, you know, because he, I think he hated the opponents, you know, and, uh, I think he's got some consideration, he's got some respect, but you know, when he's on the field it's like to live or die, you know and um, and I think he brought this spe- you had him at Wasp and, and I think you were quite lucky to have him because he was he brought a lot, you know, into your team, into the mindset. Of course, you as a captain too but like this guy was really special but I think the French team, we really missed that. You know, the someone who could speak to us with a, a different point of view, someone who knew, you know, what was the British mentality and tell us what they think about us and how we could improve and i think he was the man to do that
0: well there's no doubt that he is such a humble honest man and he and he talks very directly to the players clearly very emotional i remember one time with uh, rafael Ibanez he, he just joined wasps i think he was playing maybe his second or third game against uh, the scarlets at wasps actually the first game we played uh, scarlets uh, back-to-back games in the european cup and we lost the first game and we did the uh, monday morning you know debrief session Sean Edwards put, you know, the video up and a few clips and he, he really picked on Raf. He just was very honest, very direct, speaking in a strong Wigan accent. And uh, at the end of the uh, meeting, Raf came up to me, said, um, what did Sean Edwards say? He, he, he was clearly not very happy with me. And uh, I said, Raf, he thought we'd signed Raphael Ibanez, the captain of France, 99 caps. He said, but he's not too sure who we have signed. Anyway. <laughs> The following week, we played the same team and um, his opposite number, Matthew Reese, was taken off the field after 10 minutes and uh, we went on to win the game. And uh, I think as the water boy came on, he said, ask Sean Edwards who he signed now, you know? So he was (laughs) very, very, very direct and
2: very emotional. But but what's incredible with Sean Edwards is, You know, the technology has improved. The way I think you coach the the games, you know, is very different. But this guy has gone through the ages. So it it means that his strength is more like on on the mental effect that it could have on the players. And uh, I think that is key in any kind of business. Simon, we move
0: on to the Wales-Scotland game, it's great to see the fans back in the stadium in Cardiff. You know, it was fascinating. When When you see the teams arriving, you look at the body language. You know, clearly Wales were under pressure. They had to come out with a big performance, but Scotland were, you know, after you beat England, they seemed very confident, maybe a little bit uh, too confident, possibly. What was your view of the game from Wales' perspective?
1: I think if we wanted a game which typified why we all love the Six Nations, it was this, because Scotland, the week before, win a three-point game and a week later they go and lose it against a Wales team who had question marks about them after the opening game against Ireland. And for me, it really underlined with Wales how they are just a different animal when they're playing at the Principality. When they have that stadium packed out and everyone behind them, they just seem to go up another gear. I don't know how they do it. And for me, the person who underlined it more than anyone else was Dan Bigger. Captain, 100th cap, absolutely rose to the occasion, slots the winning drop goal. And you saw him at full time, you know, he's a fly half but he was bandaged up like he was sort of back row forward you know ice on the knee taking the bruises and I think he really underlined from Wales what that performance was a lot of it was about heart a lot of it was about reaction and the message they sent was a big one to a Scotland team who after that first week I think had eyes for being a real threat in this championship
0: Thomas as a player who played fly half for many many years you you know you've got two of the best fly halves in the world Dan Bigger and uh, Finn Russell you couldn't have two more different performances last week for Scotland against Finn. Russell was, was superb, came up with all the, the key moments. And this week, I think if you clipped up all his highlights, it would be a completely different performance, huh?
2: Yeah, that's why I love Finn Russell, because, uh, you know, he takes some risks. And when you take some risks, sometimes it it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But I always think at the start of the tournament that Scotland can do something. You know, they did really well against England. But I think the more the tournament is going on, then you see the team, you know, they, they get tired, you know. Og as a fullback, you know, is fantastic. They got some quality players, you know. But as soon as they have, they have some injuries, you know, they seem to struggle. But on a day, you know, they can create something special. But I think on a, on the length of the tournament, they they will be disappointed. For Wales, they are a turning point in terms of um, the new generation. But um, I think even if the crowd is pushing hard, you know, even if this stadium is probably the best stadium in the world, you know, where, where to play. But I think that won't be enough, you know, and I think they need to find something more, you know, because the last few years have been unbelievable. But I think if their provincial rugby is not improving, then that will be key, you know, for them. And um, before they used to have some very good youngsters, you know, under 20s and, uh, but, but now it seems not to be the same. And I'm a bit uh, concerned about the Welsh rugby and. The next 10 years, I think, will be will be much harder for them.
0: I think they're obviously having a bit of a change of the guard. You know, many players coming maybe to the end of their career, great players, Alan Wynne-Jones, Davis, you know, all these fantastic players. They obviously missed a lot of players with injury, but I think it was... For me, you know, Dan Bigger, I really like him as a player, you know. You know, he's very emotional, speaks. I mean, he talks to the referee even more than I used to talk to the referee. I mean, he's he's a he's a really fantastic kind of um leader of, of his team. And it was fascinating. I don't know if you saw his post match interview. He said that was probably one of my best games I've ever had for Wales because of the occasion, because of the pressure. And he really stepped up.
2: But I think the biggest difference between the two games were against Ireland, they were smashed in the forwards. So when you're number ten and when your forwards are smashed, when you don't win any ref when you never have the ball you can be the best number 10 in the world well you cannot do anything you know but against I think Scotland he had more opportunity you know to express himself to show you know how he can move the ball to, to his back line and maybe kick alternate you know and, and in that game you know it's really tremendous he will remember that match for a very very long time
0: Um, Simon, we're going to talk about England now. I don't want to be negative because it's not in my DNA. I always like to be positive. But it feels like um, when you look at the development of the the England team, and listen, there were some positives to take out of the game. Uh, Certain performances, I think, were very impressive. Marcus Smith again, Jamie George coming back to form. There were a number of positives, but... When you look at the french team and the irish team and the way they've developed since the world cup in the last two years you have to say that england have gone backwards and they are still going backwards at a rate of knots i mean if the world cup was tomorrow I would be worried about us performing in that tournament.
1: Yeah, I think there were some positives, weren't there, For England? There were moments where that attack looked like it was really flowing. I think that first try from Marcus Smith, where he linked up with Max Malins, was brilliant. And it was interesting, actually, Marcus Smith speaking afterwards, saying he's actually been studying uh, DuPont and his running lines and how he tracks players. And it's something he's trying to bring to his own game. And I thought he marshaled the game expertly well. I, I agree with you, though. There is a slight concern for me that we're sort of talking about this team as a New England, you know, in its infancy just getting combinations together, you know, Don Brandt, Randall, Smith, and the World Cup is what, 18 months away? It kind of feels like England are at the wrong point in the cycle where you want to be, you know, you compare it to France and you look at them and you're thinking that just needs, Fine tuning, a few tweaks, and they're ready to go full bore in 2023 Whereas I feel like England have got a lot of learning to do and a lot of development to still get through. I think they can get there. you Quick learners like Marcus Smith, but I think this Italy game showed how there's still a long way to go.
2: I think something has broken, you know, in this English team. Confidence is not there. You know, they're respected, but they're not a threat as they used to be. You know, before you were playing against England, you were thinking, okay, uh, we need to be sure we're gonna be uh, better than them on the physicality and all that. But when you play against England at the moment you know that they have some weaknesses they're not as uh, you know sure about their game you know as they used to be the scrum is not as strong as it it used to be even if it was a bit better against Italy so I wouldn't say that they are an average team but they are not for me they're not better than Scotland or or Wales you know it's the same type of level Ireland is a bit above that you know but um, playing against England you know in France for the last game for example I'm more concerned about going to Wales or Scotland than playing against England at home
0: I can't disagree what they are is a team that have lost the opening game of the last three Six Nations tournaments, and uh, to do to do it once is you know is bad, but it happens to us all. To do it twice to the same team two years running, I think is unacceptable for me. Tom, give us a bit of positivity here, make <laughs> make, make our listeners think that uh, maybe with Manu Tuolangi or Joe Lawes or Courtney Laws, Tom, you know what you think you know could happen. I mean, I guess this Wales game now becomes. A really big game for England because if they win, then they can look forward to Ireland and France with a bit of excitement. If they lose, then it becomes a a very tough couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, I think maybe we're being a little bit negative after the performance against Italy. You know, ultimately, if you compare the France performance against Italy and the England performance against Italy, I do think France probably made slightly harder work of that fixture. You mentioned the guys that are injured. I mean, Courtney Laws, Joe Launchbury, Tua and Farrell are very key for that midfield because it means that Slade has to move to 12, which is a position he's not really played in. Joe Marchant's then switching between 13 and the wing. So I think when we get those guys back and we get Watson and, and May back to provide a little bit of stardust on the wing that I think we're missing, I think we'll see a much improved side. I thought we won the game at a canter. We never really looked under threat by Italy at all. We had the bonus point wrapped up by half-time and these things always tend to 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 go in cycles and you know we've got 18 months until the World Cup I think there's certainly the quality of player and the depth of talent within the Premiership to get get us back to the top
2: again I was a bit too negative I think you're right with the names you mentioned you know and uh, I've got a small memory you know because I I didn't tackle so much but you know I don't (laughs) (laughs) but uh, we have of course you know these guys if they come back into the team but can they play like four or five key games in a row you know to play a World Cup you know so that's a bit my concern. They, on one day, of course, England can beat any team in the world, you know, but like when you have to play four or five games, you know, who are very intense, you know, can they really do that? There will be some hard work to be done. You
0: know? Yeah, listen, I, I don't want to be too negative about England because I agree, like you, you know, it's always a bit of an anti-climax when they lose their opening match. And when you see some of the performances that we've seen in, in the past, you know the capabilities and the potential of, uh, of that team. But listen, we will get behind them and... We'll keep supporting them for the tournament, no, no doubt. No no, right no, right.
2: no, 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 <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> Now, listen, we've talked about all the highs and lows of the weekend's Six Nations action, but I want to put you all on the spot and just pick one player who is the outstanding player of the weekend.
3: Outstanding with Fuller's London Pride. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning
0: piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to blue That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Simon, if I can start with you, who was the player that stood out for you? There's lots of candidates, not least from that France and Ireland game, which I think
1: was the best game of the weekend. But I'm going to give it to Dan Bigger. I think because of the occasion, you know, 100th test appearance, captain of the side, question marks about Wales, and he really stood up and and slotting the winning drop goal and getting 15 points, I think it makes him my outstanding player of the week. And Tom,
3: for you? I was going to take a slightly different tack and and choose someone from the Premiership games. And in the game just prior to the England Italy game, Quinns-Saracens, which was a a very competitive game, I thought Billy Vunapola had a fantastic game in the number eight shirt. You know, after a a tough couple of years being in and out with injuries and and out of England, I think he's a guy that's getting back to some of his best rugby. He was carrying very hard. He was very bruising in defence, so... Obviously, there's a lot of noise around Simmons and Dombrandt for that shirt, but he's still a guy that I think has something to offer at, at number eight for England.
0: And Thomas, for you, uh, I mean, it has to be a Frenchman, no, surely?
2: Yeah, I'm going to surprise you because, uh, well, I don't understand a lot, you know, the forwards games. But I know that to win a game, you need to have a very strong front five. And um, if you don't have a very good front five, you cannot win big games. And for me, the one who has been tremendous, we didn't speak about him, was Cyril Bay, the number one for France, because he was in front of Furlong, who was considered as the best number three of the world. You know? And uh, first of all, in scrum, he did really well. He nearly overtook him. But um, I think in the game, he was really tremendous because when you do the hard work, when you scrum, when you, do the, you have to concentrate on the lineups, you have to work. You know, and being able to make some runs and to score the try like he did and to arrive, you know, with so much speed. I think this guy is really unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm going to stick with the front row forward as well. I may surprise you with a, an English player. I think to see Jamie George, you know, come back to the sort of form that, you know, we know he's got. I mean, yes, it, it was Italy, but... I still think he lost his place in the team. His team, Saracens, went down to the championship. You know, he's had a lot of time to reflect and it would be easy to think, well, I've achieved, you know, quite a lot in my career, but... I still think he has a lot of life left in him, and I think that performance uh, at the weekend with two tries and the way he played—I think, you know, for me, it, it shows character in, you know, in a player to to come back from that. So he's my outstanding player. Right, we're going to turn our attentions, uh, Tom, to um, you know your special subject, the club podcast. You obviously host the Bath Rugby Club Plug Podcast. In your podcast bio, you say that you try to bring an honest yet optimistic account of the highs and lows and the roller coaster ride that is. Being a Bath fan, I think when Thomas and I were playing many, many years ago, Bath were the outstanding team in English rugby. I mean, they've had a lot of problems, you know, in the last couple of years, but the fans have been so strong, so passionate, so patient. You know, give us a little bit of an insight into, first of all, the podcast. You've been doing that for about four years and what, you know, what the feeling is in in the city because they've seen everything this season.
3: Yeah, as, as you say, it's been a very, very difficult season, two out of 17 in all competitions. And it's it's hard, I think, when you're a club in a city with the kind of heritage and history and playing group that Bath has, you know, it is very, very difficult. But I, I think, as you say, the support has been brilliant throughout that season. You'll both have played there, Thomas and, and Lawrence, and it's a fantastic setting right in the city in the UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's kind of nestled in. It's a, you know, a very kind of intimate atmosphere. And despite the results that we've had throughout this season, and it's been record breaking for all the wrong reasons with 270 point plus defeats, a uh, 64 point defeat to Leinster as well. But despite all that, every week it continues to be a sellout. You know, the noise and the support from all the fans has been fantastic. And Despite it being a, a really tough season, and obviously it's been very difficult from a podcast point of view to try and keep it optimistic, as, as you say,
0: Have you manage to uh, persuade some of the players to come on, or are they running away from you? You know, when you asked them to be your guest,
3: they, they weren't too forthcoming after the the Saracen or Leinster defeats, to be honest. But no, I mean, over, over the last four years, you know, we're in our fourth season now. As you say, we built up a really good relationship with the club; they're very supportive, and also some of the players. So yeah, it was big relief when we we got the victory against Harlequins at, at home a few weeks ago, and we had Max Joma to come on and, and speak to him so yeah it's been great it's something I really enjoy doing along with the day job and I think obviously making big changes ahead of next season in terms of the coaching staff and the playing group and so there are some green shoots even if they're quite hard to see at times
0: well Tom you know they've obviously got a few changes to their coaching staff and you know things go in cycles I'm sure you know we've, we've all had those spells and uh, I mean it, is there a little bit more optimism you know with the, with a few new players new staff coming into the to the club for next season
3: yeah i think so i think we're we're now at the point where we're starting to look ahead this season has has been very difficult but there have been some positives to to take from it i think particularly the academy guys the academy players who are coming through so i mentioned max ajomo earlier in the center also orlando bailey who is a, a guy that's really had a breakthrough season which obviously culminated in him getting selected for the England squad. So that's been a positive. And also, as you say, the, the coaching changes. So bringing in Johan van Gran and JP Ferreira as head coach and defence coach, respectively. Those are guys who have got a very, very good record at Munster. They built a ferocious defence, one of the best club defences in Europe, which, given some of the scorelines we've had to endure this season, is music to all our ears.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. Listen, we're going to move on now to our little quiz uh, and try and test our knowledge of of rugby trivia. Over the line
1: or in the bin with Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of Premiership Rugby.
0: Simon, I think you're in charge of uh, proceedings here. What have you got for us? Yeah, thanks, Lawrence. So
1: just a reminder, guys, of how the game works. It's essentially a game of true or false. So I'm going to give you a piece of rugby trivia and you have to decide if you think it's true and therefore over the line, or if it's false, and therefore in the bin. No prizes, unfortunately, but you will get the satisfaction of being right and also the bragging rights. Um, Now, as we know, on Sunday, Ben Young's earned his 114th cap, putting him level with Jason Leonard as the most capped male player in English rugby history. But Jason Leonard has achieved a greater number of wins from his England games. Is that over the line or in the bin? Tom, I'll come to you first. You can have the
3: first crack at this. I would say, given the period he played in, I'd say I'd say that's true. So I'll go for over the line. Thomas, what about you? What do you think? Do you think Lennon
1: had
2: more wins than than Ben Youngs? Yeah, I think I think so too. But uh, it's, it mustn't be too far, you know, because I think uh, Leonard maybe finished really well. But uh, but uh, yeah, it mustn't be too far. But but I think Leonard has much more games started. I think for, for England and as a front row, it's it's much harder. <laughs> uh, I mean, Lawrence, you I suspect would have played in a fair few
1: of these games with Jason. What maybe are you saying from- here?
0: You got to remember that when I arrived in the England team, uh, I think my first uh, training session, 1993. I think Jason already had uh, 50 caps from England, you know, and uh, I then spent and, the
2: next, and, and, uh, and he was 45 already. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> I spent the next uh, 64 caps with him, um, and he he was uh, he was my my roommate uh, for for 10 years. So uh, all I can tell you is that every game he played. He used to celebrate like he won anyway, so <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna go over the line on this one, and uh, it's you know it's, let's see if we're right.
1: Yeah, the answer is in fact
0: over the line.
1: Over the line. Ben has featured in 79 wins, 33 losses, and two draws. But Jason Leonard, in his 114 games. Brought in 86 wins, 26 losses and two draws.
0: And one try as well. You must remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure he dined out on. Against uh, Argentina. Listen, guys, uh, before we finish, uh, I just want to have a look ahead. There's no Six Nations games, but let's turn our attentions to the Premiership. Tom, I'm going to start with you because obviously Bath have been improving, I would say, in their club form. You know, didn't get anything out of the Wask game, but they're hosting Leicester Tigers on Saturday. I guess the fans, are they concerned about
3: it? Yeah, I, I was wondering how long it would take for you to mention the Wasps game, um, Lawrence Farm. I'm sure, I'm sure you enjoyed that one. At, at, um, least, at least one hour, you know, I didn't mention it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, as you say, it doesn't get much easier next weekend against against Leicester, top of the table, flying. They were brilliant on Friday night against Northampton Saints. So it's going to be very tough. We are going to be bolstered a little bit by some guys returning from injury. So Toby Faletel made his first appearance of the season in the game at the weekend against Wasps. But also, Miles Reid and Joe Coconese are, are very, very close. So, yeah, that would provide a, a bit of a boost, but it's still going to be very tough to turn over Leicester with the form they're in. Simon, when you're not at the internationals,
0: where will you be uh, focusing your attention? you have to switch sports or will you still be at the rugby? Yeah, I'm in a
1: bit of football this weekend, but um, in terms of the club rugby, if anyone's in London and you've got a chance, you've got a spare Saturday, I think you could do a lot worse than heading down to London Irish v. Saracens. Anyone who's not been to that new stadium in Brentford, it is a great place to watch football or rugby. And Irish are a team that had a few years in the wilderness, didn't they? The Majeski, but back in London, they feel like a team on the up and yeah, brilliant against Bristol last week good result against Exeter they're a fun team to go and watch so if, if people are at a loose end because there's no Six Nations that would be where I'd go and spend my Saturday afternoon. Yeah
2: there's one thing I'm doing I do lots of cycling and I know you do you do a lot too so I'm I'm training hard because my goal is to beat you on the bike <laughs> Listen, you are very welcome to come. Simon,
0: me, <laughs> I promise you, you will have no problem beating me on the bike, as you, as you had no problem beating me on the rugby pitch as well. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure to see you, Thomas. I really do appreciate you coming on the show, uh, and to Tom and to Simon. That's all from this episode of the Rugby Podcast. Thanks for listening, but please do give us a like and leave us a review. See you all next week. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it.
1: Lawrence Delalio's Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride, the official beer of
3: Premiership Rugby.
0: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.
3: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.